Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Welcome to WDEV and Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis, and we're broadcasting live today from downtown Montpelier, where we continue to examine the details of the flood that ravaged this town three weeks ago. Today is something of an experiment. We wanted to be downtown to give you the sounds of Montpelier and the voices of the people who have been devastated and who are determined in so many cases to rebound, to save their businesses and homes. You can hear us live on the radio at AM 550, FM 96.1, online at WDEVradio.com and on the free WDEV radio app. It's Wednesday, July 2nd, and we have a long list of guests who will join us here at what they call the Hub, which is the spot at the intersection of Barry and Main Streets in downtown Montpelier. We wanted to come here because the radio studio just doesn't seem to do justice to what's really going on here. And I hasten to add the same goes for our friends in Barry, Johnson, Ludlow, Richmond, Londonderry, and other towns. What's really going on here is a mixture of so much. There is despair, anger, and frustration mixed with incredible tenacity, optimism, and acts of courage and love. I've written about this in my Conflict of Interest blog, and we'll keep doing so. And we'll keep doing it at WDEV as this incredible drama continues. We'll stay with this story because it affects us all. If you're a landlord, a renter, a homeowner, a business owner, a state worker, or whatever. We all shop here, eat lunch here, go to the movies here, get a haircut here, and change our tires here. The north branch of the Winooski River is quiet and pretty clear now, beautiful, really. doesn't look like the raging, angry torrent that destroyed homes and businesses three weeks ago. It doesn't look or feel like the river that made life untenable for dozens of residents of the north branch apartments on Elm Street. Many of those people had to be relocated to the Barry Auditorium, usually beloved for its high school basketball playoffs and now a Red Cross shelter. The adrenaline and passion of that first week has dissipated. Many of the volunteers have gone back to work and their lives. Traffic has returned, which you can hear in the background. What is left is the people who do business downtown and the people, many of them from Texas, South Carolina, and elsewhere, We're cleaning up these buildings, drying them out. At the Pavilion Office Building, which houses the governor's office, there are massive dryers running 24-7. There is almost no commerce going on here, save for places that didn't flood. The Skinny Pancake is open and making food for free for local workers. Sarducci's, the old reliable Italian place, is open and working. So is Shaw's. They were just above the flood line. But there are residents just outside the town who, whose basements are still flooded. Along Main Street and State Street, they're still drying out the buildings. The hum of the emergency generators is giving way to the surge of screw guns. Subfloors are being installed. Sheetrock is going back up. Over on Langdon Street, the, the local tavern, Onion River Outdoors, Rome, Bent Nails Bistro, and Jay Langdon's are all closed. They're cleaning up. This is tough and demanding work. 
And behind the optimism of these landlords and store owners, there is trauma that will be felt for years. You can see it in their faces, and they tell you if you ask them. They have their heads down, determined to get the insurance company to pay attention. And now they have to hit their computers to apply for grants under the governor's new $20 million grant program and others. They're torn between the sheetrock dust on their face, the sewage smell in their stores, and the need to get that grant money. Seems crazy, they say, that there wasn't more help. I was standing the other day with Karen Williams, the owner of Woodbury Mountain Toys, who came face-to-face with three guys from the health department who were going door-to-door telling restaurants what they could keep and what they had to throw away. Her frustration was understandable. It's just really hard all around, and the work is just beginning. And our job here at WDEV is to continue to tell their stories and shine a light on the plight of these towns as they recover and how all of us figure out how to live in a world that is changing economically and environmentally before our our eyes. After the break, an update from Assistant City Manager of Montpelier, Kelly Murphy, and then a series of talks with folks who live and work downtown every day. A note, we're doing this show in the field with cell phones, not the usual top-flight gear, so bear with us. We won't be able to take all your calls because we want to get to the stories of these people struggling downtown. And I apologize for the generator in the background. And a personal note, I know most of these people you're hearing from today. I eat in their restaurants and go to the movies. I urge you to do the same. Give to their GoFundMes. Give to the Montpelier Alive Fund. And above all, patronize them when they come back to life. Buy local, eat local, resist Amazon. When you pay three bucks for a cup of coffee at Capitol Grounds, just round it up to four bucks. It's the difference between them being in business and not. And if they are not, this will be a very, very different place and not for the better. All this is happening as a former president of the United States is indicted yet again for conspiring to overturn the rightful presidential election of 2020. Donald Trump has been ordered to appear at a federal courthouse Thursday in Washington, D.C., next week to answer these charges, all while being the Republican frontrunner for the presidency in 2024. We'll get to that story in detail, I hope, on Friday. It seems just crazy, but no more crazy than a river rising above its edges to destroy our stores, homes, and downtowns. We'll be right back. It's WDEV. We're back. I'm Kevin Ellis. You can hear the hum of generators in the background, traffic noise. Uh, We are at the downtown hub set up by Montpelier Live in the city to help workers and others uh, get water, get bleach, get wipes, get towels, get the supplies they need to recover. And we're going to talk to our first guest. Her name is Kelly Murphy. She's the assistant city manager uh, of the city of Montpelier, and she's here to give us an update on exactly what's going on with the city. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, It's a nice, sunny day down here at the Volunteer Hub, um, and we are still dispatching volunteers as we speak. Um, The effort has been pretty amazing. 
Um, in terms of things that the city is working on right now, um, if you've been downtown at all, you've noticed that we've had a crew coming through to remove all of the debris, um, and we're finishing up that first half of the commercial district, uh, so all the downtown business areas. And next week, we'll be moving on to focusing on residential areas and doing a couple passes there. Um, stay tuned for those routes um, through our communications and website. Um, and then other things that we're working on is getting City Hall put back together. Um, the fire department uh, did sustain some pretty significant damage. And then, you know, the PD, we're also working on some of our communications equipment there. So we're kind of working through these first or, you know, final initial stages of um, the response to the disaster. And then we're working on future planning. So more to come for sure. When, uh, Kelly, when do we get the... This is a hard, all these are hard questions. When does the rest of the garbage get cleaned up? So in terms of larger debris, yeah. uh, we're working with uh, a, a debris management company um, that has been working for town. And so that'll be happening within the next couple of weeks. Um, we are, as I mentioned, shifting from the commercial downtown to residential areas and focusing there. Um, and then we are also going to be working on getting our DPW crews out to get to some of the smaller debris materials, such as, you know, dirt, glass, anything that's in the street. So we'll have our street sweepers out, our sidewalk sweepers, just to clean things up. Um, and then we'll take it from there. What else is on your list? Uh, there's trash. Okay. There's, I mean, you're not even in your office. Where, no. where are you located? Where do you do your business? We're not, right. And so um, I wish I had a crystal ball to know exactly when we'll be back, but I don't. But for right now, um, based on our emergency planning documents, we are set up over at the Senior Center. Um, that's where a lot of our um, operations are currently. We do have, you know, small groups that is working out of um, City Hall and spaces that weren't damaged, but our operations finance, planning, um, the clerk's office, um, and our criminal um, justice uh, council is all over at. Okay. Kelly, if you're a business that is cleaning up and drying out, um, you're now applying for grants to tide you over uh, so you can pay your contractors, pay your lease payments. Um, what? How do local business owners interface with the city uh, what do they need to do with you to get back up and running? So I think first and foremost, um, city manager's office is available. So if there are questions or if you need something, please reach out. But I also would encourage folks to reach out through Montpelier Live. Um, and we're working pretty closely with them to um, work on those requests. Um, so in getting support that you need from the city. Um, there are I, I'm talking about a Oh, a, 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 is it an occupancy permit, oh, uh, yeah. a, you know, a building yeah. permit? So our planning or department or, planning our, department. or our building inspector would be sort of the primary point of contact there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you can either reach out to the website. They are fully operational now with uh, phone numbers and such, um, but we can certainly publish that information as well to in one of our public communications as well daily. So if you're a downtown business owner and you're, uh, I see a lot of these a lot of the floors are beginning to dry out. They're putting up sheetrock. Uh, 
restaurants are saying to themselves, okay, I can reopen. You're still going to have to come to the city and get an inspector to come around and say, okay, you're ready. Yeah, so you yeah. still will need your certificate of occupancy, which you still need to follow that uh, guideline. Um, and so you reach out to the planning department for that. Okay. Um, is there a number? Um, yes. We're, we're looking for the number. Yes, let me, let me look it up as we speak here. We're winging it here. we got the hum of generators. We've got traffic. But we're in the field at Vermont Viewpoint, and uh, we're having a long series <coughs> excuse me, of guests. And Kelly's looking up the number, but while she is, um, our next guest is going to be John Snell, who's uh, on the tree board and uh, a key leader at the Montpelier Farmers Market, and he's going to talk about uh, how they've moved the market up to the green at the uh, – at the uh, Vermont College of Fine Arts. We're going to talk to Melissa Whitaker, the owner of Positive Pie. Karen Williams, the owner of, uh, of uh, Woodbury Mountain Toys. And Andrea Stander, who's a, a local political activist. And we'll talk about resiliency and, 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 and what that looks like going forward. Um, we'll, we'll get the number from Kelly in a second. Kelly, uh, did you anticipate this when you took this job? How long have you been on the job? So I've been the assistant city manager since October. Um, and before that, I was the finance director through COVID. Um, and so I think, um, did I expect this? No. <laughs> um, but if COVID has taught us anything, it's just kind of expect the unexpected and to just keep rolling forward. Um, I've got that number for you. Okay. Too, like Kelly's going to give the number for downtown business owners who need a certificate of occupancy to get their business up and running again. Yes, and so this, this number also would be good for um, any questions that you have of our planning department. Um, the contact would be Audra Brown, um, and the number is uh, 223-9506. Okay, 223-9506. Um, it's natural when you talk to these business owners and others and see the look on their faces of, the range of emotions from despair to anger at nature, uh, naturally some of that comes out at city governments because it's just human nature. Um, how have you been dealing with that? You, you, I've always said to Bill Fraser that he has an impossible job uh, because you're a political leader, but you also have a city to run on a daily basis. Um, how has the emotions of all this landed on you as a public official? Um, well, I think first and foremost, and I think Phil would probably agree, we do this work because we believe in public service. Yeah. Um, we believe in supporting our community. And so while these are challenging times, I wouldn't be anywhere else right now. Um, and I think making sure that people get what they need, um, you know, when things are difficult is when you really need to show up. And so as a city, we're, we're here for the businesses, we're here for the community, we're here to make sure that we maintain operations and we, you know, get things back and move forward. Um, and so that's what we aim to do. Um, and, it's, you know, I just love the work. I, I know that, um, you know, it's, it is hard to be, you know, with folks in their most difficult times, but at the same time, you know, I think it's the support that we can offer 
um, and make sure that, you know, there's the basic services, the things that people maybe might not see per se, like keeping the streets clear and clean of debris or plowing the roads or making sure that the proper permits are there for safety, but working through that process because it's, it's, it can be tricky, right? Yeah. So we're partners. Um, and we want to make sure that the basic services are upheld during this time. You know, it, it would be permits if I also did Making yeah, sure that if there's an emergency, you know, we've got folks there to answer the call, and we do. And so, you know, first on the scene um, with this thing and monitoring it. So our fire department, our police department, you know, we're here also to make sure that, um, you know, people are safe. They have what they need, you know, in a situation um, where somebody needs some help. So, you know, there's a, a gamut of services the city offers, um, and we're, we're here when we need them. I think it's a natural um, uh, instinct of all of us to say in those first few days, like, why wasn't there more help? Uh, so what, what, how does that question land on you from your perspective as a government official? The, when we were all volunteering, you kind of expected the National Guard to show up and, and help, and, and that didn't happen. And so... I think there was a feeling on the part of some business owners that they were on their own. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, yeah, you know, I think that that's um, something to consider for sure. And I also um, you know, think that we do have a pretty wonderful community, but in terms of getting some of the, the you know, federal help that we needed immediately, um, you know, those systems are in place, um, but you know, there are certain requirements that need to be followed. And unfortunately, in our case, you know, um, the speed in which those services are delivered may not be, you know, at that point in time. Um, And so I think we have some work to do so we can maybe learn from this experience. Um, You know, but at the same time, you know, I think um, I am really heartened by the way that the community was able to come together. Um, and, you know, even just sitting here today at the volunteer hub, you know, we'll, we'll have to go rally. Um, but I also think that there are things to learn. Yeah. Let, let's make a list. What What is there to learn? Um, the city has an emergency management plan. We do. Uh, how so did it work? And what do we need to learn going forward? Well, I think that there are some things for that emergency management plan that work really well. Um, so, for instance, you know, during the, you know, peak disaster times, you know, we were able to stay fully operational. Our dispatch center stayed fully operational. And because of our emergency management plan, we were able to evacuate to the water plant. Yeah. Um, and so that worked really well. Um, we were able to do continuous communications um, through the channels we had identified, um, you know, such as the city's website, BT Alerts, Front Porch Forum. Facebook. Um, are there is there room for improvement? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think making sure that we are getting information to folks and in the ways that they can access it, so people know where to go, where to look, you know, what what to expect. And so we might be able to do some messaging in the future around that, you know, so people you already kind of know that. Um, and, and I think generally people do, but I do think that there are some folks that, you know, unless if you're in an emergency, you wouldn't know to look at certain things or be signed up for certain things. And so those are things that we can work on. We are um, going to do a series of surveys to, you know, get some feedback from the community um, and take those things in and take a look at, you know, how we might beef up our emergency management plan 
talk about, you know, what went well, what didn't. So there will be, you know, an after incident debrief on this as we go forward um, because there there are things that did go well, but there are things that didn't. What's next on your list? Uh, as you, it's it's now 9.30. What are you doing for the next 12 hours? Um, well, there's a lot, um, you know, but I think right now from the city's perspective, we're focused on getting our, you know, primary systems back up and running. Yeah. So, for instance, like, we need to, you know, resource you know, City Hall or work with our electrical panels. So, much like businesses, we are also dealing with some of those um, response and recovery items. Um, I we're working through the reappraisal grievance process, so you know that's also in the works right now, um, and those hearings are happening. Um, I mean, there there are many other things um, in terms of just you know working through um, for yeah. sure. Um, and then of course, well, you had to you have to run a city the the daily. Uh, the job of running a city, paving contracts, garbage cleanup, uh, uh, all the things you just mentioned, while at the same time dealing with this emergency. So it's quadruple the workload overnight. How are you going to do that? Well, so, I mean, I think, uh, thankfully, we um, do have um, some state partners that we're working with right now. We are working on getting a FEMA to, to help us with some of the, the FEMA guidelines for the city. Um, so then we can focus on standard city operations. So we're kind of, you know, bucketing it and working yeah. towards, you know, getting sort of the, the um, FEMA pieces underway, but then also making sure that we're focusing on core municipal services and making sure those things are happening. There's a guy named Alec Ellsworth who runs our parks department who's been sitting here at this Montpelier Alive hub with his laptop and his very cool hat and sunglasses, um, sort of managing volunteers. Uh, and I don't know exactly what he's been doing, but uh, we're going to try to get him over here to talk to us. Incredible job that he's been doing. Yeah, Alex is amazing. Um, yeah. Incredibly thankful that, you know, he is, you know, with our city. Yeah. Um, and jumped right into this effort. Yeah. And, you know, when this happens, you know, that he stepped forward and said, you know, I can run and manage and help with the volunteer hub along with Volunteer Live. So he's been our representative. Kelly Murphy, Assistant City Manager for the City of Montpelier. Thank you so much. Okay. That's Kelly Murphy. It's WDEV. We're back. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. And we are broadcasting live from the downtown Montpelier Alive hub at the intersection of Barry Street and Main Street, where, because we want to give you not just the, the sights and sounds, but we want to tell you the story, the ongoing story of this recovery and the devastation that's happened, because it is just beginning. As I said in my essay to open the show, there's a, there's a sense uh, on, on the part of some that the flood is over. The North Branch uh, is now running clear. Uh, but don't let that fool anybody into thinking that this is uh, over. This, this slog is just beginning. 
and to talk more about the slog, we're joined now by my friend, John Snell, who is the chair of the Montpelier Tree Board. So every tree that you see on the streets here is, is the, the responsibility of him and others. Uh, he's also on the board of the Montpelier Farmers Market and a general activist downtown, a retired successful businessman. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate being here. Hard as it is. Um, so let's go back if we can. I mean, you're, you're, you among several others are kind of the conscience of the city. You're around, you're walking the streets. Where were you when the flood happened? I was at home uh, on higher ground, uh, although I did have water coming in my basement for the first time ever due to a backup uh, foundation drain. So it was pretty exciting all of a sudden. Uh, and then I got out and saw how devastating it really was. Yeah. Began to see. And what did you do? Did you rush downtown or did you take care of, try to take care of your own basement? I took care of that first. It didn't take long, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not rush downtown. We were making some food for another way. So I was taking that over there. When I encountered a pair, uh, a couple from New York City who were clearly lost. They were walking down Hubbard Street with suitcases. They had been uh, 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 taken out of the hotel by boat, and they had luckily parked their car up on higher ground the night before, but they had no idea what to do. And uh, they wanted to wait and, you know, get to their car eventually. I said, you're not. You're coming home with me. We took them home, and and fed them and, you know, gave them internet and got them reconnected. And later that day, we were able to get them to their car. But it was a good example of how we, we've all just been caught un, unawares and, you know, of what the true impact of this is. Okay, so let's talk about that true impact. Um, I, I'm. It's hard to quantify at this moment. I, I had Tim Heaney, the landlord, on the show last week, and he said his damage is $2 million. And I said, Tim, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to go to the bank and get a mortgage. Uh, I can't imagine doing that. Let, let's talk about that impact across the board, economic, environmental, emotional, mental health. Let's start there. Well, and, and I would ask that we look at it at two different levels. One is a, a more global level, although saying that, I don't want it to mean that we it's not important or that we don't have an impact there. Uh, and then to look at it at the local level, because they're so connected with each other. The economic uh, inequalities in the world right now put everybody uh, at a certain level in jeopardy. And that's showing up here loud and clear. Let's figure out, what's, what's an example of that? Uh, well, we're seeing, you know, trash still here on the street. Who's going to pay for that? Well, somebody is. And that's going to come out of somebody's pocket. And unfortunately, most of the somebodies who are paying for that don't have a lot of resources right now. And they haven't had for a while. There's a couple down on Three Bridges Road, uh, down past the Dairy Queen in Montpelier, who I, somebody just told me that their house is still 
uh, the, the water's drained away, but the silt and the muck is still in their basement. There's a, we need to not fall prey to this notion that all the basements are cleaned out and dry. That's just not the case. Yeah, and it's certainly true in Barry. Even more basements there, I think. Uh, but yeah, Three Mile Bridge Road is just devastated. So, what do you do? Uh, how you do a lot of work, um, charitable work, uh, work with the food food shelf. Has your daily routine changed at all because of this? It has. How? Uh, I have not walked around as much as I had previously. I, I, I had to protect myself uh, in order to do anything. And, and emotionally, it was just, it was impossible for me to be down here. Physically, I'm not able to lift things like I used to, even though I think I should be able to. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I cooked and, and uh, shared food and uh, we shared our, our house with people in need, um, but it's, I can't only imagine how hard it is for some people. Uh, relatively easy for me, honestly, yeah. but for some people, it's, it's going to be a long, long, impossible road. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've been talking to business owners, uh, Sarah from Bailey Road, uh, there's this mixed mixed view of there's the optimism of I'm going to fight back and come back. And, but she would say to me that she's, you know, there's only so long that she can stand in her shop amid the devastation that she experienced. And I, it's not just business owners, it's landlords, it's homeowners, it's renters, state employees. It, it, it runs the gamut. It does, absolutely. And just being down here today, the dust is not bad, but, you know, you and I are breathing stuff we don't really need to be breathing every day. And if we live down here or work down here, uh, that that has a serious health impact. Um, you are also on the board of the farmer's market, right. uh, a, a, a colossal institution uh, in this town on Saturday. So, Tell us what happened and what you did. Yeah, uh, we had been downtown near the state house for the last year and a half, and it was very successful. The market was continuing to grow, I think, better and better. Uh, and that lot was underwater to the tune of four feet and uh, mud all over it. So we had to find another home. I called uh, Vermont College and uh Katie Gustafson, first words out of her mouth were, of course you could come up here. It was like so moving to yeah. hear that. Yeah. Just so generous. And in because in part, the, the, the market had long ago tried to go up there, and it just didn't work out. So they have been welcoming us with open arms. It turns out we'll probably end up there for the rest of the season. Um, stay tuned. But that's what it looks like because downtown is just not habitable yet the floodwaters are down as you said things are drying out but we, there's no way we could be at 133 state street no way okay so and is the market is the market as are did all the vendors come back most of them did uh, some of them of course either lost um, 
you know, parts of the farm where they were unable to travel from here to there. Uh, but yeah, we have a tremendous group of, of vendors who are there and they're doing quite well up there at the green. The community has turned out in force. It's been just amazing to watch. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of these vendors, a lot of these farmers lost so much. Mm-hmm. I know, at, you know, Dog River Farm down the road here, I mean, he grows for Whole Foods and yeah. he's lost acres and acres of spinach and arugula, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, the Feast Farm, another example, uh, completely, completely obliterated. And they were just beginning to harvest for the senior center and, uh, you know, other other organizations in town here. Yeah, we lost our tree nursery. So I say more about that. <laughs> well, we're out behind the Feast Farm. Uh, and uh, it's a floodplain. We've known that. It's a great place for the high waters to to come and, and you know, not damage downtown. Well, uh, again, about three or four feet of water in there and mud. We had just planted about 500 new trees. We may be able to salvage 50 of them. The rest are gone. Okay. So let's talk about the word resiliency. It's pretty clear, John, that we have got to live differently. These floods are going to happen again. uh, And it's going to force us to live differently economically, environmentally, and in all sorts of ways. Let's talk about that. Emotionally, too. Yeah. Um, Again, I think it's important to look at two different levels of the conversation. On the global level, resiliency is hard because we don't have the resources. Those are all piled up in some yacht that's floating around somewhere or, you know. I mean, the economic disparities make resiliency sort of laughable. Um, and, And in terms of the environment, we can do all we want to do here in Montpelier, but upstream, downstream, the rest of the world is that's where we need to be playing also. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's important to look at the bigger picture and really see that we can't find answers sometimes because there aren't answers the way things are structured. And we got to find answers. So yeah. how do we deal with the North Branch River? You know, how do we deal with uh, basements that are going to flood again next time. So we're all amateur hydrologists now. Uh, I had Greg Gossens, the architect on the show last week, and he said, you got to stop fighting the river and you got to let the river go where it's going to go. Do you have any thoughts on what that actually means? We've got a lot of surface parking in this town. We've got, you know, the idea of letting it go where it's going to go. I, I, you, you flood-proof to the extent you can the existing buildings. But then what does that mean to you to let the water go where it needs to go? Yeah, I was out on the bike path last week and just saw the damage that was done there to a piece of the infrastructure that's pretty stable and realized that we just can't have that quantity of water coming through town ever again. We have to deal with it upstream from here. 
before Europeans settled Montpelier, and this was the area where they, right where we're sitting, where they cut down 10 acres of trees. Right. And then proceeded to kill the beavers for beaver hats. And it was right after those two things happened that floods began to happen every year in Montpelier. So we got we got to slow the water upstream from here for starters, or for part of the, the answer. The uh, Secretary of Natural Resources, Julie Moore, who's a trained water manager, engineer, talked to me, talked to us about needing more controls at Wrightsville Reservoir that she has at the Waterbury Reservoir, but does not have at Wrightsville. The ability to adjust water flows and uh, drain the reservoir a little bit in anticipation of a flood in the future, that's going to cost a lot of money. Well, As you say, so did flooding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what else should we be doing in downtown Montpelier around flooding? What's what's on? What, what are the top three things that cross well, your mind? I've I thought a lot about this this week, and one of the simplest things everybody who has a lawn can do is to stop friggin' mowing every day. Yeah, you know, it sounds like oh, how can that help? Well. We can, we can input a lot of water into the ground if we take care of those green spaces. Yeah. So it's not going to be a cure-all, but it's one piece of making things happen. Yeah, you mean, uh, uh, and change your front lawn into a, a, an edible uh, uh, landscape, uh, or just let it go. Yeah, just, well, you, you know, there are, we, we need more water in the ground. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this whole section of North Street uh, between North Street and the North Branch that's just gullied from erosion over the last hundred years. Yeah. All that could be dealt with, and we did pretty quickly reduce a sizable amount of water coming into the river. So I raised this question last week, and it is this Do we have the government? Uh, structure and capability at the city level and at the state level, the legislature and the governor, do we have the skills and the expertise to handle this kind of crisis and and become more resilient in the future? Or are we going to get stuck in he said, she said, uh, not enough money arguing about the, the small things so that we get nothing done for the future? Do we you know, in the, we're in the shadow of another Trump indictment, and I, I'm just asking whether do we have uh, the capability to, to act politically to be better? It's always the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we do have the expertise, uh, maybe not right here in town or in the state, but, you know, this has happened in other places, yeah. and we've learned a lot from it. Uh, I think Economically, we're in deep doo-doo, uh, but again, there's plenty of money, you know, a billion dollars a year to defense. Well, let's have some defense of Montpelier. Yeah. Uh, on and on and on. So I yeah. think it's it's more the the confidence and the will to make it happen. And I, I'm really pleased with uh, Montpelier's approach so far. Yes, there were some fumbles. Uh, Yes, sir. Join the, join the club. Exactly. 
Yeah. I, I was perfect until the split showed up. Right, me too. Yeah. Um, so I, I think together we can we can find ways uh, into the future that make a lot of sense. You know, I got to mention, uh, we're surrounded by these young kids from the Montpelier Youth Conservation Corps who have been here for three weeks. And it kind of gives you uh, hope for the future. As an old white guy, I'm really ready to step aside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John Snell, (laughs) thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. And um, we're going to move. We're going to take a break uh, in in a couple of minutes, but we're going to let John Snell go because I think we've solved all the problems. (laughs) And uh, John Snell, uh, 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 thanks to him, and his little army of people, uh, every time you see a beautiful tree downtown or go to the farmer's market or every in front of the courthouse, every Friday, the, the courthouse is not functioning. Right. But mo- every Friday for how many years? 30 years. 30 years he has been protesting uh, the, the, the notion of war at all. Uh, in front of the federal courthouse, and uh, he's still at it. He'll continue to be at it, and we're better off for him. So thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Um, I mentioned the I mentioned the these kids from the Youth Conservation Corps. Uh, they are here. Uh, they've been working for weeks. They got backpacks. They got shovels, uh, and they have been mucking out basements. Uh, and uh, it is truly inspiring to see them. Uh, you know, they just kind of show up and uh, they say, what do you want us to do? And uh, it's been fantastic. I'm Kevin Ellis. Uh, it's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We're going to take a break and we'll be back after this. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. It's Kevin Ellis, and I'm back, and it's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV, and we're joined here very quickly by Bill Day, who's a resident of Montpelier, and uh, was affected by this flood. Bill, tell us how you were affected. The flood came within three feet of my steps. I live in the Pioneer Apartments. We had 60 apartments, which we'd all be homeless if we had been flooded. Three feet more. Now, I have gone all over the place. I've been out to the dam, and it's safe now. But I have worries. We all do, and we had sleepless nights because of all this. And I've been out of the state house and sat in some of the committee the committee meetings that they were talking about the other day. It was on Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, I sat for about two hours and got to talk to somebody for about a minute. Yeah. And I have concerns about the future because there's a lot of people, and there's no place to put people because... 
to the housing shortage. And I heard you for the first half hour, and then I came down. But what I am afraid of is there are ways to make this better so it won't happen again. And I think there's a Vermont Agency of Natural Resources on the wrong track. You've seen the, the trash down by the railroad station. Well, I, I've taken pictures of all of it. But they say right now, Lake Reservoir is down to normal. Yeah. It can't get any further. But when I saw it, it was a couple of days after the flood, so I was going to get there, and the thing was coming through there like it was going out of a fire hole. And that's a big, about as far as from here across, size of the tube that goes through this. Yeah, should we have... Should we have drained the reservoir a little bit as we saw this rain coming? Is that one thing we could have done? I think so, but that's not been solved. I've, I watched the weather channel. I've been glued to the weather channel. Right. And it's not necessarily Vermont. Next year, according to the weather channel, this is going to continue. The rain is evaporating in the Pacific Ocean and coming across, just like a smoke, it's coming across the country. And next year, somewhere, it's going to get just about the same amount of water. It just might not be right here. So because that's what happens, more water, because of the damn heat, more water is going up into the atmosphere. Now, I was I was in year 79. I was in Northfield, and I was in Waterbury for over a month, digging out, helping people clean out their basements. For over a month. This isn't over. There's a lot of people still have their basements and they're still cleaning them out. People, the stores, I am so happy that I just noticed the capital copy. It, it says, we'll be back. And I thought they were wiped out and I use them all the time. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. So it's so, there's so many people who wouldn't be here if. If I owned a business, I don't think I would return unless I had more assurances. And I, I, I firmly believe, and there's a lot of people on the street that I talk to that believe that we need to dredge. We don't need to do something that might cause more water to back up. We can do things out of the dam. That dam is a well-built dam. Yeah. It's been right. And I think, they, I think we need to get the um, U.S. government involved dredging the rivers like the Connecticut River and the Hudson River and Lake Champlain into the Hudson all the way down because this is going to affect at least those states as well as us. Yeah. Well, that is a massive uh, expense. and I know that. Right? This is a massive. This, this is a massive this expense. This is a massive expense. I know all kinds of people, some of the banks are closed, some of the banks aren't. The governor's not even in his office yeah. to buy there. My bank, the National Savings Bank, is open and buried, but not here. This is this is crazy. But you, you, you are absolutely right. It's, it's expensive. But I think the federal government, I think the, our, our senators should be, our senators and representatives should be involved, and I think the president should be involved in this whole business, because it's not just Vermont, but somehow we've got to find a way 
and we've got to be able to talk with the people in, at, in the state house. Yeah. I was in the state house. I said, we should be able to talk and the people here. We talked to a lot of people from here, and uh, I know some of them. I don't know all of them. But we need to get engineers and people really know what's going on to pursue the right thing. I feel draining and not blocking it up. Because this water came up, only a small percentage of the water is what flooded all this and what did all this damage. Most of the water went on through and is now in Lake Champlain. Yeah. But you, we all know that, and that, that was polluted water as well. Lake Champlain is not escaping the pollution, but uh, we can do things that will help. We should do everything we can to stop it from happening in the future. Who knows when? Bill Day, a resident of Montpelier, thank you very much for joining us. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. So Bill raises the issue of dredging the Winooski River. And uh, I guarantee you that uh, Julie Mora, the secretary of the Agency of Natural Resources, who was on this show last week, will have problems with that <laughs> because uh, environmentally um, – uh, way above my pay grade, um, so. But uh, we'll take on the dredging issue um, at a later date. We're now joined at the Montpelier Alive Hub outdoors, live on Vermont Viewpoint, by a downtown mainstay business, the owner of Pars Positive Pie, Carlo Rivetto. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, thanks for coming on, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you have been running Positive Pie in downtown Montpelier for how long? Since uh, 2001, I believe. Jeez. 2001, 2005, sorry, 2005. And now we're joined by his, uh, do we use wife anymore? Yeah. yeah. And by his wife, by his wife, Melissa. And, God, it is great to see your faces. Um, you've been running Positive Pie in downtown Montpelier for a long time. You were devastated. And I I want to start. The reason we're doing this is because we got to keep telling these stories so people will continue to donate and not get their attention diverted from the needs because there's a natural inclination of the average listener or reader to just say, oh, okay, the sun's out, the river's down. Um, yeah, there's some garbage in the streets. So tell us how bad you were damaged. Why don't we start with Carla? Yeah, well, it was, uh, we have, we use our basement, you know, we, we bought it from the State Street Market. So they had a, a raised platform that's probably 2,200 square foot down there, had like vinyl tile on it, and a big uh, 12 by 12 walk-in cooler and so we set up down there at the prep kitchen thinking well they've been using it right you know my my son chopped lettuce down there one yeah. summer for probably two months yeah and you can see they had the raised platform for a reason right there's probably water that came in and out and stuff like that so i expected a little bit here and there right um but it wasn't until i think it was like the may 11 flood 
Um, and then by that point, we already had, we established our office down there. We had put a, a beer walk-in cooler. We had put a walk-in freezer, you know, tons of, you know, shelving for dry storage. So it was like a big, you know, the, the other half of our business that people didn't see that was downstairs. Um, and then in the May, it was like the May floods, I think it was before Irene, uh, it was a heavy, like, seven-inch uh, downpour. And the water came up, and it came up fast in that basement and went up to, like, nine feet deep. Um, I, you know, took my, I was a whitewater kayaker, so I took my whitewater boat down in, down the stairs into the water and went down there and tried to save whatever I can that was flowing around, you know, and, like, speakers. You, you took your kayak down in the basement? Yeah. Yep, yep. To try to save things. And then... And it didn't go all the way up to the first floor. Yeah, it didn't so go it to the first floor. So it didn't ruin it nearly as much. Right. But it was a mess. And it was like 2,000 pounds of flour. Imagine what that does when it hits water. You know, oh. I had to corral it with fishing waders into a corner and, and shove it in the bags, which were heavy, you know, one after another, you know, 30, 40 garbage bags full. So just, you know, nightmare cleaning it up, all the sludge at the bottom. And then Irene hit, the same thing happened again. Um, and and then it happened another time, I believe, that only came up a couple of feet, not too bad. Cause by then, now I have a pumping system. Um, that was doing pretty good. Um, but it just seems like there's always, you know, I'm always dealing with water all, all the time. In the this, time. this time, you know, the the one of the basements next to me filled up, and then the, the hydrostatic pressure blew out a block wall, and that block wall went right in through our walk-in cooler. You know, exploded probably, you know, a thousand dough, food and chicken wings and food. And just tons of food just exploded all over the restaurant, so you can imagine shelving our, our 800-pound dough mixer got shoved 30 feet across the room. Um, all the walk-ins got tilted and, and they, they, cloaked, or they got foam in them, right? So they tilted and they ripped out pipes and and the decking just got all destroyed and, and those blocks of cement like all over scattered throughout the whole thing. And when we first got there the next day, so we, we get into the restaurant um, and we look down the base of the stairs and it's completely full, 100%. So with that full and then you know, the water rising into the restaurant, we're talking 15, 16 feet deep for us, you know, covering, you know, from all our usable space. Um, so it went two and a half feet into the first floor. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff we brought up from the basement, we were scrambling Monday to bring stuff up from the basement, bring stuff up from the basement, because we knew the basement would probably flood, which we put all into the first floor. And the water rose so high in the first floor, it tipped over a lot of the tables that we had stuff up on. Yeah. And it even tipped over our line, like our line cup station that tipped over all the food dumped out. So even everything we brought up to the first floor, a lot of it got. Yeah. Only stuff that was like on the solid bar or up really high in the So have you quantified this loss at all? I mean, when, as I said, when we had Tim Heaney on the show, the landlord last week, I said to him, what's this? What does this mean to you? And he says, it's $2 million to me. And I'm going to go to the bank and get a mortgage, which I couldn't believe. What What does this mean to you? Let's not talk about rebuilding yet. Let's talk about when you arrived and you saw what half was... Half a million. Half All a million. Yeah. yeah. Or if, I mean, half a million in damages plus the lost sales of the busiest time of our season. Like, yeah. we, we are just recovering from... COVID, this year was the first year that was, like, back to pre-COVID sales. Like, we were like, yeah, we're rocking it, having a great summer again. Yeah. Even, like, the spring was a really financially good spring. It took 
a while to recover financially from COVID and get sales back to where they were beforehand. Yeah. So I think a lot of businesses, I've heard a lot of businesses downtown say that they were finally having the year they needed right. after COVID and really excited for the summer sales. Now we have no summer business. And so, you know, I think it's about a half a million to, the, to do the rebuild of like, cause we have to rebuild the entire restaurant, like the entire, almost every piece of equipment got ruined. There's only a few we can save. We, you know, the whole basement is destroyed. All the, the most expensive equipment is the walk-in freezer, walk-in freezer, all destroyed. Um, and I think, you know, tearing out the floor and tearing out the walls, tearing out everything that we had to tear out. We had to demolish the whole Okay, now let's go to how do you think about the next six months or, or the next week? What are you doing today and what are you doing this week? Uh, so what I was saying to Kevin just a minute ago is when we first came down, we were in fight or flight, clean it out, clean it out, clean it out. We got to get open as fast as we can, rebuild, rebuild. And as now the space has been cleared out and is drying out and demolished and totally ready for a rebuild, which we have been thinking about if we were to rebuild, how would we do it not using the basement? But I've also been talking to my friends who are environmentalists and they're been, they've been telling me that it probably will flood again downtown on the first floor, probably worse than it already did, you know, these Rainstorms are probably going to be coming more and more with global warming. So it's really made me pause and um, rethink if we want to rebuild there. And I feel like we're kind of in a frozen standstill in a way. Like, I'm not really sure what to do right now. We actually set up a meeting with Katie Trouts from Montpelier Live tomorrow. I want to start talking to more people and deciding. Like, it, it feels a little bit to say that word maybe to rebuild and put all that I mean it is going to be a, anywhere between three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars to rebuild and um, it just feels like if it's going to just keep flooding it's a waste of money and then that makes me feel so defeated and devastated because we put we own the building we, it's a condo space we own the building that it's in um, and I don't know it just makes me feel like maybe that whole area is not worth rebuilding, which is so heartbreaking for downtown Montpelier, but reality, unless something really major is done to stop the North Branch from flooding, Bay Street and the downtown, what is the point of rebuilding? What is the point of moving forward in that space? So I don't know. We've been now starting to think, should we try to find a space higher up? Where would that be? We moved to a different town. I don't know really what to do right now. I love Montpelier. I love this community. The support of the people that came out for us when we were clearing out the space incredible. was incredible and honestly makes me cry. Like, I want to be here for the community. This community is amazing. Like, the amount of people that came to help us clear that space out and told us how much positive time means to them. It's the one thing that makes me want to stay here and keep yeah. going here. Like, this community is amazing, but it's a stupid waste of resources to keep rebuilding and keep spending money on this stuff to just keep having it be flooded and ruined and then sitting in a gross, toxic pile in the streets. Like, what just happened, looking around the streets during those few weeks with 
heartbreaking and to just see all that waste just going into the landfills and if we keep doing it for what um so i don't know what to do right now i don't know what to do but i do want to start talking to like you know politicians people who can maybe like i did hear on a phil scott briefing that they were going to talk about infrastructure stuff but how seriously are they talking about it i don't know something needs to be done because if it's going to keep flooding what's the point of rebuilding and so i just don't know what to do right now i'm just really overwhelmed and confused and i don't know what carlo I don't know. I just, like, I have a lot of emotions around this. You know, you can't tell me they can't figure this out. I mean, like I just told you, if they could put people in space, they could figure this out. And I, I'm, I'm sure things could be done. I mean, just, just over the years of being here, I noticed, you know, that it comes up in the in the Jacobs parking lot back here first, across in Julio, starts coming up through there. I look over at the Sarducci, they're fine. The river's flowing and like it should, and it's got higher banks and it's moving. So I think to myself, get the water out of here. Build 20-foot walls that come down through the city, an aqueduct-type system that moves the water to the main river where it's wide but can handle more capacity. I mean, that's just the start. You know, dredge the rivers if you want. I don't make more smaller dams going all the way up to North Branch. Do whatever, but don't tell me and sit here, and I'm paying money to the city which and the state, and I'm honestly sick of paying that money saying, why am I doing this? You know, first and foremost, forget the damn roads. Fix, fix the problem with the floods. You know, you're not going to have any roads if that keeps happening. I mean, put the priorities first. Put the money there and make it happen because we cannot be down here in Montpelier, you know, and, and just keep sustaining hits like this, hit after hit, and then have to double down and get help from the SBA at 4% to get an interest loan. Yeah. See, like, it, it don't make sense to me no more, you know? So I'm really questioning the whole display. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I was talking to Lauren Parker at the North Branch Cafe. She said the same thing. She said, we're, we cannot do this again unless we have a guarantee that the North Branch of the Winooski River is not going to destroy us again. Yeah, we just yeah. can't do it. It's getting exhausting. It's, it's, it's that, I think, the third flood we've been through, but this one by far was the worst and so much more devastating than the others. And it's so exhausting. Like, Carlo is down in that basement just pulling out rotten food, rotten walls, rotten, you know, and so are all these volunteers. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. We're getting older. It's, yeah, it's toxic. It's really dangerous. Yeah, it's really well, dangerous. Are, and you know. Why do we keep doing this? I love Montpelier. I love the community, but we just like, yeah, I guess like Lauren said, we need to be guaranteed that our businesses are not going to keep flooding and keep having to do this or else it doesn't feel worth it. In my opinion, this this issue needs to be made number one. It's for God's sake, it's the state of Vermont, capital city that keeps going underwater. Like this needs to be put right to the top of the list and dealt with. You would think I've said this on the show before. You would think that the Netherlands, which deals with this for the for generations, they've got the expertise. They know they store water. They let it flow through areas. Yep. Uh, they live with this. They have thriving agriculture. They've figured this out. Europe's figured this out. Miami. You know, Miami's figured this out. And it, it just seems to me that we have the expertise. Yeah. And I wonder, and I asked John Snell this before you got here, do we have the government structures and the government expertise to make the kind of decisions necessary to protect downtown Montpelier? 
I kind of think it's an open question. I mean, that city council over there, it's all they can do just to meet and talk about potholes and just the basic running of a yeah. city, not to mention how do we plan for the next 25 years. And, and, and but it has to happen or else you're not going to have a downtown. That's that's what I think is starting to come across more than ever this, this through this. Like, I think now that the, the fight or flight panic is settling, I think a lot of business owners are starting to ask, if this doesn't get addressed, why do we want to rebuild? And if we don't rebuild, there's going to be no downtown Montpelier. And if it floods and floods worse, there really will be no downtown Montpelier. Yeah. So we have to look at this. We have to address it. We have to figure this out. I mean, the city, it needs to be, the state needs to really, really get involved at the top level. They need to push on the feds if they've got to figure it out. Get the engineers from the federal government here. Whatever it takes to figure this out, we can't keep going well, and it's a test for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he's a push. He's a push hard. I feel like we need to reach out to him more and more, too. Like, we need to really get this issue on their table. And- yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break, uh, and we're going to let Carlo and Melissa get back to their work. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. It's, we're back. It's Vermont Viewpoint, and we're doing everything today on the cell phone from the Montpelier Alive Hub for Volunteers and Aid in downtown Montpelier. We're right next to Shaw's and outside the drawing board, uh, and it's a beautiful day. And But we are sh- continuing to shine a light on the absolute devastation that has befallen this town because as the weather gets better, the river goes down, uh, these business owners are left to pick up the pieces uh, as, the, as the heroic volunteers go back to their jobs and their lives. The business owners are left to pick up the pieces. And we're joined. Uh, we, we have Carlo Rivetto and his bride, Melissa Whitaker, the owners of uh, Positive Pie, Best grilled uh uh brussels sprouts in the world uh and now we're joined by karen williams the owner of woodbury mountain toys uh where my children it seems to me my children grew up in two places uh the children's section of bear pond books uh and then uh at the montpelier at uh, the uh, woodbury mountain toys when the previous owners owned it yeah tony and charlotte the tony and charlotte they well, Together. We all homeschooled together, and, and we sort of used downtown Montpelier as, as our classroom. Uh, Karen, thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. So we have all three of you here, um, and in my essay at the opening of the show, I talked about two things going on on the faces of you business owners. There's the adrenaline-fueled optimism and tenacity to survive to clean out, to dry out, and to rebuild. But then when you get past that, there's a despair and a frustration and an anger that is real. And I don't, and I'm not sure that our government officials quite get it. Not that they would, because they're busy doing other things. But that's one of the reasons you're here is to, you know, talk to us about that, Karen. 
I can't imagine that this has been easy at any level. Tell us what happened to your toy store. Well, uh, well, Monday when the uh, the rains were coming, they told us uh, that there was flood happening. We moved everything up a foot in the front. I had it up uh, two feet in the back. So in the back of the store, mostly everything was safe. In the front, I did lose quite a bit. I, I still am without electricity just because I'm responsible for my own space. I own my space. And it's just, I'm you know, the volunteers have been fabulous. We've been doing some great work things. I, you know, clearing. We got the inventory that was the good inventory out immediately um, upstairs to a dry spot. Uh, but then, of course, you know, they, you know, getting clearing everything out every day, finding new things that we had to take out. And on Saturday when we were doing the wall, which I share with Carlos space, we're going to need a mason to come and help us figure out the structure because just the way the building is built. And uh, it looks like it's been a little compromised, and we want to make sure everything goes back safely. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's, – it's, and now I'm thinking I need another work day to get people into cleaning. Um. There's a, there was, I had a feeling when I, this first happened and I was standing in the basement of Bear Pond Books, I kept saying to myself, uh, where's that, where's that army guy who was at the airport in New Orleans for Hurricane Katrina giving orders, uh, to the military, uh, the rescue people in the boats, um, you know, like, where was that guy? Yeah. And it seemed like everybody was on their own. Carlos, yeah, did you well, have that feeling, too? Well, yeah, you know, our, our, our friend who lives down in Florida was there during Ian, and he was up here. He had some losses. He owned a, a, a farm up here in, in Plainfield. Um, sort of like a celebrity kind of guy. But he was he was um, up here, and he came to see me, and he's like, no, oh, when, when Ian happened, the Fed snapped their fingers, and things got done quick. It was Choppers in the air, National Guard everywhere. People were flying around doing things. There's nothing here. It's just a bunch of you know. I'm seeing high school kids doing doing the lion's share of the work. Where 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 is everybody? You know, and and you know there were a lot of people. Thank God, you know, Katie and Montpelier Live was here to help and, and set people our way. That way that was organized was amazing. But we could have used a lot more, a lot more help uh, across the entire. It would have been nice to have the National Guard involved, especially at the beginning, when we were just trying to move, you know, when there was the mounds of garbage out front that were sitting there for days. And it was like, let's get this out of the way. And then when they, when we finally got that moving, that was fabulous. Like, But it, I wish it happened a little bit sooner. It just seemed like everything is taking longer because yeah. we, are, we are relying on volunteers. And volunteers have been fabulous. And, and it's, just think of them. I mean, these are kids. A lot of them, oh. and, they're, and they're in the they're in some treacherous, horrible, you know, conditions for their lungs. And I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it and, and do it. But you know, to, to, to see these young kids, I know that felt really bad. I'm like, we need like real muscle and, and real people down there, just like, protective, real protective equipment. You know, doing what they do, and it was kind of it was kind of hard for me to. But I needed the help, you know. I mean, what you were talking about with somebody taking charge—that was very difficult too. Because I think, as yeah. owners of our own business, we don't. I think we, we. I mean, maybe you delegate better than I do, but I like to do things just on my own, figure it out. And it was, and you know, it was very challenging having to delegate with a bunch of, you know, and answering the continuous questions: Do you want this? What should I do with that? What should you know? And having that, like you said, that guy 
being able to bark orders, saying that goes there and this goes here, because I would have liked that person in my Well, and there's an emotional piece to this, too. You're traumatized as an owner. You can't make rational decisions. It's like having a loved one in the hospital. It's really hard to make a rational decision yeah, about your future. I felt like my future. frontal cortex was not working because I was in fight or flight. I couldn't think. I definitely felt that feeling. Like, I had to have some of my friends come and just be like, I need help organizing because my, my brain really wasn't working. I was in such panic mode. I couldn't make decisions. So I'm usually really good at making decisions. It would just went into a different mode of, yeah, like trauma mode. So it was hard to make. How do you shift from cleanup, dry out, to rational thinking about the future, not to mention getting on your computer and start applying for the grant from the Vermont Community Foundation, the Montpelier Alive, Montpelier Foundation Fund? You know, that all sounds easy, but you got to actually sit down and fill out an application. The Montpelier Strong, um, the Montpelier Foundation was much more simple than the one that the Vermont one just sent out to us. That is ridiculous. They they want us to, I I ordered from over 250 different vendors, and I had um, losses from probably about 200 of those vendors, and they want us to show proof of from each vendor the amount and cost of the loss. I, that will take me months if I were to get that kind of information together. So I'm looking at that grant that you may get 20% of your losses. Um, it, it almost doesn't seem worth it to me to do all of that information. I, you know, I got all the tax forms of W-9s and, you know, the, the proof of business ownership and, you know, my accounts, you know, achievable profit loss statements. But then when I got to the vendor, um, the proof of uh, I, can, I, I can show photos, but I I don't know. I guess I'm feeling too like the per, you know talking about where's the National Guard. Da, da, da. I feel like even more. I, I feel like I need those people or, or feeling some kind of support from people that are in politics and higher up people now. Like I feel like I need yeah. that more now. I'm feeling really overwhelmed and like I need to know that there's something that's going to be done about the flooding of downtown Montpelier so that we feel good about rebuilding, feel good about reopening, feeling like this isn't going to just flood again next year. Like, I just feel like we need that support now. Carla, what goes into a decision to come back? I mean, you know, the only thing I could think of is, is build a place in a way smarter, you know, mason walls four or five feet up, you know, which will help up to that point. After that, obviously, you're, you're back to square one and when things are destroyed, but I'm thinking like, you know, serious $20,000 diesel pumps in the basement. I mean, whatever, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. cement structure in the back that protect the water from coming up from the north branches of the parking lot. You know, I, I've been, I've, I've called engineers to get them to get some minds behind it because, you know, if the city or the state ain't going to gonna do nothing, then I'm sort of on, on my own to try to figure this out. Not to mention we can't use our basement no more, so, you know, we're going to have to simplify the concept altogether because we don't have the capacity to you know, frozen, you know, refrigerated and dry storage. So we have to pare the menu way down to make it work in, in a single-story space. Melissa, uh... At what point does this become not worth it, and you and you you pack it in and move to Italy? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, that was the first thought I had when I very first, on Tuesday, when we came downtown at night, the water had receded enough to be able to enter our space, and I saw what had happened, and I saw that even the things we had worked so hard to bring up from the basement had all tipped over on the tables and got all over the floor and got ruined anyways, and I just saw the level of devastation both in the first floor, and the basement was still filled with water Tuesday night. We couldn't even see the basement, but I knew it had filled to the top, so I knew everything was I, the first thought I had was, I'm done. I'm closing the doors. This is, I can't deal with this. And, you know, I think the very next morning when we came down to, like, reassess, having right away 15 Vermont Youth Corps volunteers show up and be like, how can we help? And we just said everything that's on the floor and soaked with water needs to be taken out. And they just did it really fast. It kind of, like, made me think, okay, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can. I don't know. My first thought was, I'm done. I cannot handle this. Um, but, you know, we still have loans. We still have a loan on the building. We still have a loan to the business. So our accountant says, you can't just close your doors and be done. You have to figure this out. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I just want more guarantee that we don't have to keep dealing with this. Somehow this river, this North Branch needs to be figured out. Then I wouldn't feel so bad about putting the effort in to reopen, but it's hard to want to put the effort in without knowing that something's going to be done on a higher level to help it not flood downtown. I don't really know. Karen, why, why go on? Why bother? Oh, I, I, I have to, I can't, it's, it's like the store is my baby. And I, and I saved, I did save a ton of inventory. I lost a lot of inventory, but I saved a lot. And I, it's, I really do enjoy running the toy store. I enjoy the, um, just, the companionship and the community and everybody there, you know, it really, it's, it's fun to see the joy in kids' eyes. And I want to keep bringing that to, to people. And I want to be able to do it in Montpelier because I do love this town. And I, and I have, I, I've got a plan. I think, you know, it's a, my, you know, right across the street, uh, there's a spot that's empty that didn't get hit as hard and they, they never lost their electricity when I'm still waiting for mine. So, I um, may be able to get in in a few weeks as opposed to a few months in my space. So it just be turn around and there you are. <laughs> do do any of you think, I know, um, you know, the bike path now goes from the transit center all the way down to Bar Hill, mm-hmm. you know, and people talk about moving mm-hmm. to that. Uh, I know Connor has a, a, a renovated granite shed there. It's a pretty nice building. Do you think about that? Yeah. Do you think about moving over yeah. there? Yeah, you don't get the foot traffic. I mean, we'd have to work 10 times harder to get people to come over. Yeah, you won't get my son who visits from California. Who The first thing he does <laughs> is go to Positive Pie for a slice, and he's uh, 34 years old. It and never goes away, I've that desire. i so many people say that. So many volunteers said, I'm driving up here to volunteer to help you from Rutland because when I drive through, I always stop in Montpelier just to get Positive Pie. Oh. And so I love you guys, and I'm driving up from Rutland to volunteer to help you because I really want to make sure you come back. Like but you can't days. run a business on that on that kind of generosity, can you? Well, I've thought of, do we relocate in Burlington? What do we do? But I feel like what you feel is I love the community in Montpelier. The community here is amazing. I, I don't know, as much as it would make sense in a rational way to get the heck out of here and go somewhere else, my heart doesn't want to do that. I have so much support here. The community here is amazing. Even through this, the community has been amazing. 
So my heart doesn't want to leave Montpelier, but I have thought of, do we move up by Bar Hill? Do we try to find a place up by the college? Do we just move higher up? I don't know. I I'm know. thinking those thoughts. It just, I, I just keep going back to, like, this is a fixable problem. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell me it's not. And, and, and to sit here and to keep getting ideas to, like, move downtown and it's just bullcrap. I mean, fix the problem. They I can like do your, it. I know they can. Yeah, the idea when you're talking with the Netherlands, I was, I was listening in. It's like, yeah, we we know they can figure this out engineering wise. Yeah. Sure. It's you got it. It's got to be. You know what? You want to hear my night last night? I said I yeah. built a little fire, sat in front of it with my hand in my head on a chair for two and a half hours in anguish. That's what I did last night because it's just like sitting there trying to, trying to like, how how do we how do I keep going down there? How do I get further in debt? Why would I want to get further in debt? There's a, there's a lot going through my head, and it's really it's really hard to feel settled and grounded right now. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel very unsettled. Most of my nights have been spent like that in the last two weeks. You mentioned you went to the ER. Yeah, I, I stepped in the water, and a, a splash of the water went into my eye, and I rinsed it out right away with, with, with a bottle of water. I think you had that happen a number of times. Yeah, but in this particular time, within two hours, the eye started closing, and it was nasty. So I had to go up there, and they, they, they had to flush it all out and give me antibiotics for my eyes. But the water is toxic. They it's said toxic. there was, like, a bacteria yeah. that had oh, yeah. gotten into the eye. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. It's it's it's, 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 it's hard to be me right now. <laughs> well, the... I don't know, you know, we had a guy walk by here and say, we need to dredge all the rivers. I, I think uh, the state would say that's the wrong thing to do environmentally. But it's, you know, and it's pretty clear we need to rebuild. Uh, we need When we build new housing and new buildings, it, it needs to be built up. But that doesn't help the existing downtown businesses that are right oh. in the path of this thing. And that and means the North house, Branch. Right here, the state yeah. house is downtown, which attracts so many tourists, which yeah. attracts so much visitors, and then they love to walk down State Street where all of our businesses are. I mean, it's such a beautiful downtown. I don't know. So, yeah, so let the people suffer. What that tells me is, is disaster is a business. People are making millions of dollars off these disasters, and we get screwed each time. You know, we yeah. got to go, we got to go. A interest on money right now, like just it blows me away, you know. And then you know, we're, we're giving the state. state's interest to fix it because it's their down, it's their capital. It seems like it'd be in the state's interest I mean, to fix downtown. We're throwing something like forty thousand a, a month towards the state, you know, for, for taxes and stuff like that. And I, I don't want to feel ungrateful, but you know, twenty thousand dollars, like oh great, you know, that'll that'll. What is that? Maybe an electrician for a few days. I mean, I mean, great. It's something, and, and I'm grateful for that. But, but we need a lot more help than that, man. A lot. Okay. In the two minutes that we have left, what's what's next at the toy store? What are you doing today and tomorrow? Well, today I'm I'm setting uh, stuff up to take up to the merchants market for the um, on Saturday up at the College Green. Yeah. Um, and uh, going through. All the toys that I've saved to figure out a good mix. And tomorrow I'm meeting with a plumber um, because everything I had to disconnect and I have to reconnect. Uh, uh, so, yeah, moving just one step forward. And I, I'm, yeah. What about you guys? Well, today well, and tomorrow. While our, we're having our drawings redrawn, right? I mean, the, you know, to map out the space to see how we can make it work if we decide to keep moving forward. 
Um, so we're we're kind of in a standstill right now, just drying and, and airing everything out. So Still. honestly, I'm going on vacation for a week and just going to go sleep because my body's broken. Yeah. It, it's, it's hurting. I could, yesterday I could barely move. What are you going to do today? Well, I mean, there's nothing we can do in the restaurant right now because it is still drying out. We we had to rent huge dehumidifiers and go get huge fans. So there's still moisture because the basement was so soaked. There's still moisture in things. So it's in a drying out process. Um, everything's demoed, all the floors are torn out, the walls are torn out. So we're, we're kind of in a standstill while we're cleaning and drying out before. And, you know, we're still trying to decide if we're going to rebuild there or if we're going to move. I was going to maybe today go take a drive around and look at the Bar Hill space and look at higher-up spaces and just, I don't know, we're meeting, like I said, with Katie Trout just to see what, what if there has been any conversation with politicians about anything happening down here. I just feel like I don't know. We're I trying think. to start this conversation as best Yeah, I want to reach out to politicians yeah. is what I want to do. Okay. Well, that is a sober look at what's going on, and that's why we came down here. So, uh, Melissa, Carlo, Karen, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you so much, Kevin. It. Uh, it's serious down here. It is, it is not optimistic at the moment. And it is, uh, it's hard, hard work, and it's going to be a long slog. And we'll be here to cover it. Oh. We have a GoFundMe if anyone so, wants to donate. Do you have a GoFundMe? Uh, no, but you, you didn't. Okay. A uh, couple of things. Go to the Positive Pie GoFundMe. Give to the uh, – uh, buy buy your toys online. Uh, gift certificates. Gift Woodbury certificates Mountain. at Woodbury Mountain Toys. Contribute to the other funds, and buy local. Uh, resist Amazon. Yeah. Buy buy your toys local. That's our show for today. If you want to be a guest on the show or send us a suggestion for a topic, drop me a line. The show becomes a podcast at dev.com. Of course, you can listen to the show. I'm here on Wednesdays and Fridays, and I'll be back Friday focusing more on the uh, the flooding issue. You can find me at KevinKLS.com, where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter called Conflict of Interest. I'm on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me. My podcast, Conflict of Interest, examines the issues we deal with on the show. And as I said, I'll be back Friday. As always, we'll talk politics in Vermont and the nation, my garden, my now my flooded basement, and everything else on my mind and yours. Our show is produced by me, engineered and made possible by Danny McGivigan and all the great folks at WDEV. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis, and we'll see you right back here Friday on Vermont Viewpoint, live radio on the friendly pioneer WDEV. (laughs) 